Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a walk in the park podcast. (laughs) This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo. Guys, how do you talk about life when you haven't even lived at all? And how do you talk about love when the only thing you love is your dog? I don't know. preview in this episode we are once again focused heavily on politics and the state of our union here in the united states of america we do talk a little bit about uh what it means to us to have a political affiliation but if you do not like politics do not like listening to politics don't want to hear riss and bab's opinions on politics then don't listen to this episode If you do, please listen and enjoy. We've reached an impasse, an obstacle, a hurdle, a challenge. Well, for example, bless you. Thank you. I... I sneezed before you. ...want to talk politics. You did. I thought you said you had a sneeze coming on earlier, and then you never sneezed. It happens. Okay. I have that mind control. Oh, excellent. Just kidding. Transcendental... Instant meditation. That's right. Which I don't do. So, anywho, um, as this is the year 2020, this is 2020. 2020. 2020. 2020. We have a presidential election coming up. Quite possibly, well, I'm going to say the most important one in our lifetimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And one of the most, perhaps, important ones in the history of this country. Yeah. Because Donald Trump is a menace to the human race. I don't even, I don't, yeah. But we don't want to really talk, well, I want to talk about it, but I'm not ready to fully talk about it. Okay. And you don't want to talk about it right now. Right. So let's just talk about what we think we're going to talk about. I'll tell you what I think I'm going to talk about. Okay. I'm going to explore on the podcast this year why I vote Democrat. And I think that's going to be my base. Okay. It's just going to be me thinking about and putting into words why I vote Democrat. And I have voted Democrat consistently since my fake sixth grade election with real voting machines in Stoughton, Massachusetts in the 1984 Reagan versus Mondale election. Oh my God. Now, if you want to talk about optimism, hopefulness for the future, my sixth grade class voted for Walter Mondale. Oh my God. Um, there were like a couple of holdouts, I think, who voted for... Reagan. But um, yes, so I want to explore that because I also, one of the things I like to do is with my friends that vote Republican or my family that votes Republican, I like to understand why they do that. Right. Um, I think we have these misconceptions about what each party actually kind of represents anymore. Um I'll just throw out one high-level example, which I don't even know if Republicans still think this way, but historically, it's been my impression that people who vote Republican will say, well, I'm a fiscal conservative. And to me, that means that they think that the Republican Party is more responsible with money. And I just don't think that since Reagan, that has been true. Um, the only president since Reagan who has had a budget surplus or balanced the budget was President Bill Clinton. Uh, And Trump has set historic uh, deficit levels. And I think maybe the national debt is at an historic level. And it wasn't just Trump. Um, You know, George W. Bush also did this. Obama also did as well, but some people 
will actually give Obama a little bit of a pass because if you look at his administration, it was the early years when he was trying to get the country out of the savings and loan crisis that happened or started under the Bush administration, the recession that that triggered, and also um, the ongoing costs of the war, which were started under the George W. Bush administration. So to me, I'm like, well, if fiscal conservatism or responsibility is why you vote Republican, then I just don't understand. This Trump administration is very fiscally um, poor. They're doing a poor job. They're spending far more money than they actually have. And I don't like that personally, but what I hate more is I think it's hypocrite, hypocritical or just very uninformed for anyone to think that the Republican Party is the party of fiscal responsibility. That's just an example. But maybe Republicans don't vote thinking that anymore. I don't know. I mean, I feel like Republicans don't like to fund what they consider social welfare programs. But really, besides Medicaid, like there are no social welfare programs that I think come anywhere close to the amount of money we spend on things like defense or Which, other by the things. Way, you know, side note, we we're at a historic low with that right now with the spending on defense. I have not read that. Yeah, apparently he's our current president has pulled out a lot of that. Um, I would have to research yep. that. I, mean, I can work on that. Yeah, it also doesn't sound like Trump something Trump would admit to doing since he claims oh, he's pro-military. He, yeah. Um maybe it's historic low as a percentage. Maybe. I don't know that it's as an actual dollar amount. Um but th- that is true. That is actually one of the things I think that is not fully understood. Because of the different ways to look in it, like actual dollars adjusted for inflation, percentage of the budget. Um, oh, what did it? What's it, the source? It, well, Wikipedia. Okay. Well, I don't know. Uh, what does Wikipedia say? On March sixteenth, two thousand seventeen, President Trump submitted his request to Congress for six hundred thirty-nine billion. In military spending, fifty-four billion, which represents a ten percent increase, yeah, for fiscal year two thousand eighteen, as well as thirty billion for two thousand seventeen, which ends into in September and two, yeah, which, yeah. Their fiscal year is ends uh, September thirtieth, I think, um, hmm. if I remember correctly. They have a very different fiscal year. Um, yeah, no, I don't think. I don't think military spending has reached historic lows under Trump, but there could be some more granular data, like maybe certain types of military spending. Um, But the reality is, I mean, Trump's administration keeps running up an annual deficit. Oh, yeah. That keeps increasing. I don't know how that works. I don't know how the government, the federal government budget works. Well, on a high level, because obviously it's much more complicated, but on a high level, I mean, you just have them deciding this is how much money we want to give to everything this year. Congress, Right. right? right? I mean, the president obviously has input. But I just, when I say how it works, I mean, you've got... All the these funds coming in from taxes, mm-hmm. and it's, it's still not enough it's to still cover not it. Enough. And my other question is, how are like these corporations getting away with not spending, uh, not not required to spend as much in taxes as they should? Or because the Republicans to... believe in trickle down economics, right. and they think if they leave the money with the corporations by giving them tax breaks, that does... it'll boost the economy. It doesn't actually happen. No, and that's the same thing with the one percenters. Mm-hmm. And I've seen plenty of uh, theories or in people one percenters step up and say, "I'm just not being taxed enough," mm-hmm. which I find fascinating too. Well, the interesting thing is the one percenters pay. In actual dollars, a lot 
of money. Right. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if some of them not millions. Right. Like, literally, yeah. they pay a lot. It's just as a percentage of what they can afford, it's relatively small. Right. Like, the Republican tax breaks benefit the upper... The one percenters in the upper middle class. It does not benefit anybody who's... Or it benefits far less probably anybody personally or married filing jointly who makes less than $250,000 a year, $200,000 a year maybe. I mean like the actual money you're saving by those incremental tax bracket things is not as much as it is for the people who are paying more theoretically but so the i mean the united states borrows money to it sells its debt and that's how it gets the money that's why like china owns a bunch of our debt and i mean Crazy. And, you know, also other things in this country do too, like pensions, mutual funds, mm-hmm. because they're getting, I guess the money they make is, you know, because they're being paid interest. Like we, this country pays hundreds of billions of dollars a year on its interest payment on its debt. It's crazy. Um, yes, it is crazy. And I mean, what of course originally allowed this to happen was whenever we moved off the gold standard, which I can't remember because then like, you know, They can literally just print money. It's not tied to anything. Um, Even if it's not actual paper money printed, but like on paper. And so, yeah, we just spend more than we have, obviously, which is the deficit. And every year the deficit just keeps adding to our national debt. Right. Um, And I think the foreign-owned percentage of our national debt isn't super super high right now maybe it's under 10 percent but there is always this talk about like if these foreign countries call in the debt they're like you have to pay us like where's the money coming from and i've read different things so you know you'd probably have to really look at maybe like the omb or like primary government documents to really see what is true right but I've read various things from like, now maybe this is if all our debt was called in. So that would be domestic and international holdings. Each taxpayer in this country would owe like $400,000. Or another one I've heard, it was much lower than that, but still a lot, like $150,000 mm-hmm. per person or per taxpayer. So it's just interesting um, and again, so when people are talking about deficit, to me, you look to cut where you can afford the most. I don't know. I think Medicaid is one of the biggest, um, what's called unfunded expenses in this country. Mm-hmm. And it's a mandatory, it, well, so mandatory funding, like it has to be funded, but it doesn't have like any specific like we do pay in payroll like a medicare medicaid tax okay i think and you know medicaid is for low-income people um right where medicare is for the people who are 65 and older that's a huge expenditure social security is a huge expenditure in this country but people think about that so you'll see things you'll be like oh well it's social security's fault But Social Security is actually funded partially by payroll taxes. So in a way, it's like, that's fine. That can be the biggest program in the country, but it's also funded. Military spending, which is, as far as I could see, was the second biggest area of spending in this country, is not funded. It's only funded by our tax dollars that are not specifically earmarked. Like Social Security tax is an extra tax on top of income tax. Mm. Um, So... It's like the military doesn't provide any income to the federal government to cover its expenses. But Social Security at least does. Now the problem is with the boomers, I mean, it's like you don't have enough people paying into it now to support it. So like before you and I are eligible for it, it'll probably go broke. Wow. Yeah. So... 
And some people are against Social Security. You know, when it was set up in the um, Great Depression by FDR as part of the New Deal, it was, as I understand it, intended to be uh, a temporary thing. Yes. And, of course, really what we've seen is, um, and I try to say this as non-judgmentally as possible because, I mean, I understand financial stresses. I've certainly had them over the course of my life, but people don't save enough for retirement. They're living longer. They don't save. And like, if you didn't have social security, like what would happen to this aging population? I have an aunt who's going to be 79 next Mm -hmm. month. Her husband is dead. She has no children. And she thinks that they shouldn't have taken money out of her social security check and they should have let her keep it. Well, she told me she's going to run out of money in five or six years. Right. I'm like, clearly, now her social security won't run out, theoretically, because you get that benefit until you die. So I'm like, you're going to run out of the money that you had saved, which clearly was not enough. Right. And, uh... You're telling me you don't think that the federal government should have held some of your money so that you get a social security mm-hmm. payment? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I remember thinking some people shouldn't take their social security payments if they could afford right. not to. Mm-hmm. But people across the political spectrum there even say, they're like, well, I earned it. So yeah. I'm going to take it out. And I'm like, but you don't need it. Right. So. I don't know. There's a lot to talk about politics. I There's know. the impeachment yep. proceeding yep. that is getting ready to go to the Senate. Yep. There's the whole current um, Iran mess that has just been a mess for the a past mess. 40 plus years that is being exacerbated. That's going to be a whole thing to talk about because, again, I'm like, oh, it's, I'm not arguing that a bad person's death is something to cry over i'm just very concerned about the way things are handled and what it does to the rest of the world's stability right um and you know it's hard you've got to like really go to a lot of sources i think to try to figure out what's really happening but i mean i just why would we assassinate somebody in an ally country without telling them right such that now they're in their own legislative body chanting death to America and telling us our troops have to leave like and I hope that doesn't happen but as you and I were talking about earlier and I've heard some of our more conservative friends say as well Like, there is actually a concern. All you're doing is creating more terrorists and more jihadists because now these people hate America even more. We made a martyr for them. Yep. And forget it. The next 9-11, you'll be able to trace back to this. Yep. So I don't see how it's worth it. I don't think it changed anything for the better. It did... He's a... He was a state actor. It did not unwind his... You know, no. organization. This was not an Osama bin Laden situation. Nope. I'm sure some people think there was some benefit. And I would hope in the long term, if there isn't a benefit, that at least it isn't horrible. Right. But what a horrible way to start the decade. I know it started at the end of last year, but no, it carried yeah, on. It was yeah, like it December 27th, I think, was when the missile hit the base in Kirkuk. And it killed the one, it injured some soldiers and killed an independent contractor. And then we retaliated for that. And then they retaliated by attacking the embassy. Right. I think. And then we were attacked by killing this general. Right. And then it's spiraled from there. We'll see. A little bit. There's one other part I'm forgetting, but maybe that's why you didn't want to talk politics, Riz? That's correct. Okay. <laughs> well, trust me, there would be so much more to say on it. That was just a teaser for what we're probably oh going to be God. talking about for whatever the rest of the world. Is your friend who we've mentioned having on this podcast, does she skew liberal or conservative? Conservative. So would she be willing to answer the question, like why I vote Republican? 
she might. Okay. I'm just curious. And I'd like I to have somebody. And then I my sister, and she would like to be on the podcast. And we well, just she'd be on my side, though, why I vote Democrat. Right. So I'm looking for somebody. I mean, you could be the why I vote Republican person, but I don't know that you still feel that way right now. Oh, no. I, so. I am a registered Democrat, but I vote across party lines given certain situations. Yeah, so you're not really the I'm not proper person. No. We need somebody who is willing to come on the podcast who votes Republican and feels comfortable Chris, explaining it Chris in a non-defensive way. Find, would he do that? I don't know. I'd have to ask him. Okay. I mean, it would more just be to really try to understand. Like, But I do think there would be Because he's always been a Republican. Contention. No, no. Okay. There, I think there would be, I think it would get a little contentious, perhaps, no. but not, if I'm involved, it might get, <laughs> no. well, but what I mean is like, just, there could be some assertiveness in trying to say something, like I wouldn't want to offend anyone, like for example, when you said military spending at a historic low, like I was like, mm, I'm not sure I believe that. Like, right. I might say some stuff like that. I don't know like why that. I even thought that. I'm sure somewhere... I'm sure Fox News is saying it, for heaven's right. sake. I'm Maybe. sure... It, I'm sure it's somewhere. And I'm not sure that there isn't, like, one a way of looking at it where that would be a truthful statement. Right. So that's what I mean. It's like, you know, people are like, CNN's a liar, Fox News is a liar, la, la, la. I'm like, mm, actually, they're just kind of mess... Not They're not messing, but they're using... They're not presenting the full facts to give the full picture. They're picking something that's accurate and, and not giving it context. It for, yeah. For, yeah. They're they're allowing people to be misled. Like I said, there may be something somewhere that it is like a something about the military there is a historic low. Maybe. Yeah. Like maybe it's like pay increases to service people. Like right. maybe they're supposed to get it every so often and it's not happening or right. in the military it could be like Veterans Affairs, although I feel like I've read Trump is, you know, not messing with that. Like, if anything, people have told me he's being, like, supportive. Yes. But still, it could be, like, something like that. Like, oh, like, you know, funding of Veteran Affairs clinics or historically right. what. Anyway, I'm open to believing the truth of anything, but sure. I'm, I'm more likely... And that's why I like about this podcast, because more often than not, we've seen, um, we've, we've worked hard at that. It's like a fact that mm-hmm. we're trying to find out mm-hmm. if it's true or not and where it came from and why. And I think that's important. And you just don't have to get so worked up at the possibility that your facts might not be accurate. Like everybody out in the real world who's on TV or, you know, is freaking out online. I just don't. I mean, some things are really upsetting. Right. It's true. But, I don't know. They're anyway. Not worth, they're not, it's, it, I, let me put, I always put it this way. The federal government and, and specifically at, at the presidential level, things that happen at that level, laws that come in, into being, sometimes don't necessarily affect me right off the bat Mm -hmm. and b they change Mm -hmm. there are some bigger things like roe versus wade right that could potentially be right bad right um and i'd be the first one you know up there on the hill Mm -hmm. supporting Mm -hmm. roe versus wade right because even though i don't necessarily agree with abortion i would never tell somebody else what to do and i don't particularly think that a bunch of men in the government have any right to tell me what I should or shouldn't do. However, it's just the point I'm trying to make. Things that happen at the top don't necessarily affect me personally Mm -hmm. right away. And I'm not going to get wound up over it. I I think a lot of people get wound up over things that don't necessarily affect them right away. I Or may not ever. Agree with that statement. It's actually how I've thought. It's a position of privilege, I think, that that, because some things do affect people dramatically. And I think you've hit on perhaps one of the key differences between the Trump administration and every other previous administration, be it Democrat or Republican. Um, who he is just grates on, offends, 
disconcerts, works up people. Because that's what he does. Yeah. He's a bully. He's a crappy person. He's a blowhard. He's all of these things. He's not very smart. And I think that's really the main thing. He isn't. But he would tell you. He's, he has great brains. He's the smartest person who's, right. you know, ever lived. He doesn't want to say it, but his IQ is higher than, you know, Albert Einstein's or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so right. I just think he is an instigator, a bully, a horrible person. And that is what is making the reaction to him far worse. If he was not the Twitter idiot, if he was not who he was... And everything was unfolding as it did, mm-hmm. as it has. I'm not sure it would get as much. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? That's not the way to say it. I just don't think we'd see people as riled up. I think who he is and how Correct. he behaves Correct. makes it worse. So, Which is why he's just got to go so we can get back to a little bit more of a semblance of normalcy in this country. Right. I do think there are things like stacking the Supreme Court with conservatives who may overthrow Roe v. Wade. I do think stuff like that could have serious long-term. Yes. That makes just the whole climate of the country less safe for all of us, whether it be mentally and emotionally or literally physically. Right. Um, for you and I, mm-hmm. I think physically it doesn't affect us that much. Right. I think mentally and emotionally we have the luxury of tuning it out. Yeah. And some people don't. For some people, it's just in their face yeah. every day. Right. And who wants to live like that? Nobody wants to live like that. No. Well, that's depressing, so. And then there are some people who don't have any of the facts. <laughs> and they're going just based on opinion. And I've run into those people, too. Fear. I'm saying they're. it's based on some type of fear. That it's somehow going or to. Or insecurity. Yeah. Um, I don't get it. It's, it's called narrow-mindedness. But it comes from a certain place, and it doesn't yeah, it come does. from... It doesn't automatically come from the place of that person is a bad person. It come, Some people are bad people, yeah, yeah. whether they're open-minded or narrow-minded. But I do think that when you're coming from a place of fear or insecurity, you're not going to be that better person. That's correct. Regardless of what end of the political spectrum you're on. Because you're going to be defensive. You're going to be nasty. You're going to be looking to hurt people. Mm-hmm. You are probably going to be at least temporarily more closed-minded. You're not going to want to hear something that makes the other side seem less evil. Right. I mean, I've tried to... I think Trump is completely underqualified, incompetent, and a danger. I do not think he should be reelected. But... I've been able to recognize some of the things that have been accomplished under his administration that I hope end up being of benefit, like the criminal justice reform bill. I do think that's a little ironic, but I'll take it because ironic in the sense that, as I recall, a lot of this um, legislative like sentencing, like mandatory minimums and all this three strikes you're out stuff actually came to be under the Bill Clinton administration because the Republicans were saying the Democrats were soft on crime, which is their constant refrain, even though um, that really is not historically proven, but that's just what they want to do. And like Michael Dukakis letting Willie, what's his name, go on furlough, and then he raped and or murdered that woman. Um, I don't remember. Anything. Yeah, that was back when that came out when Dukakis was running for president in 1988. And Massachusetts had this prisoner release program where they tried to like let people out into society on a temporary oh basis. And I can't remember the guy's last name, Willie something. And yeah, so, but you know, that's another kind of, I think, misconception. But so technically... In that scenario, the Democrats were tougher on crime than the Republicans, and now the Republicans are walking it back. Hmm. I agree with that. I don't know that we have to have certain types of sentences for nonviolent offenders. I mean, so many people are in prison because of drug offenses. Um, Which, again, you could argue does have a systemic impact that is negative. Yes. And that should be dealt with in a, you know... 
hopefully productive way, but I'm not sure putting people in prison for that. But then, so you have the people, you have the contractors that build the prisons, the people that run the prisons and keep them open, and they don't, they want the prisons full because that's how they make their money. And they want to keep having to build prisons. So they'll have a lobby in Congress, you know, saying, you shouldn't have done this, or you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, but we have way too many people in prison. We incarcerate more people as a percentage of our population, or maybe even in total, than any other country in the world. You know what? I, I and it's funny. This kind of this can get into a whole another thing about gun control. And mm-hmm. I was just telling my husband the other night. You know, you have to help these people who uh, have mental disabilities, mm-hmm. whether they are using guns mm-hmm. or homeless people on the streets. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have to be. Yeah. Like the drugs, the the homelessness, the. the the uh, sickness, the mental illness, it's become quite epidemic now. Mm-hmm. And people, these people need help. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're just incarcerated. And mm-hmm. that's just not the place for them. It really provides no... Instead of prisons, yeah. maybe you should open up more places where they can get help. Yeah. That would give jobs to people. But again, some people in this country, and it's not always just people who vote Republican, um, they don't want to help the less fortunate they don't they don't want the government to help the less fortunate correct but it's like individual people can do their own stuff but you can't help like no this country is very big right there's a reason that we need government because individuals can't do it all themselves i mean i don't know like i just want the government to spend money on things that actually benefit society, and I think yeah, like helping others no, is no one of those ways. No reason why we shouldn't have the number one educational system in the country. I know world. we just don't value it. We don't want to pay for it. it I don't know why. But most I of our taxes why. go there. No, not to education. They don't. It used to be. It no. Used to be. I know I'm in, Jersey, in Jersey. Okay, state. Maybe by state. Okay, I'm yeah. talking federal federal government. No, yeah, expenditure. you're right. By state, I would think that in places like Jersey, that's where most of the money goes. Yeah, that'd be interesting to look up. For I a mean, time, that's how it was. Massachusetts has a great education, public education system. As far as evaluations go, it's usually ranked first in the country. And uh, but I don't know how much money they spend. And again, but Massachusetts is relatively a small state by population. Right. So that's the so other thing too. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing. It's easier. So like we're a country of 350. That's why they can afford to spend the most on education because they have the money. But they're also the most broke. Like that, mm. that state's got so many financial problems right now. It's really unbelievable. Hmm. People, all of my friends want to leave. Wow. The taxes are too high. Too well, high. it's the same thing in California. The yes. taxes in California are outrageous to me. Yeah. It's probably why we wouldn't ever move back there. Not while we're having to pay taxes anyway. Maybe when you're old. Right. <laughs> I don't know. But um, it's the same thing too. Like, So this is a very big country. And the states are supposed to do their jobs. But it's why I think you know other systems in other countries work better. Because they only have like 3 or 4 million people. It's much easier to organize things for three or four million people than right. 340 million, you know? Right. So, I don't know. Another thing that people say is, Trump said this, like, he, you know, wants the federal government to be smaller. And... All Republicans do that. I know. But and it's the irony, so weird. he was never a Republican prior to this. I know. I know. That's a whole other topic. But with the... um. Government being smaller, so one of the things, and just talking about how large our country is, like 350, maybe even 360 million people now, like the last statistic I saw was there are about 2 million people on the government payroll. Okay. I'm like, that's less than 1% of the population. It seems reasonable to me that the federal government can employ less than 1% of the population. Hmm. Like, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we're we're meandering quite a bit, aren't we? Yeah, we are. It's but okay. it's comprehensive because yes, it in ten years, when this podcast is a success, then we will look back and this whole article, such as the New York Times has, thirty three okay. ways to remember the twenty tens. Okay. It'll be our ways to remember the twenty twenties, Riss. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Done.
Good enough for now. Good enough for now. So after listening to this first part of the podcast, you've probably realized that I, Babs, am perhaps a little more worked up about things right now than Riss is, and that's okay. Uh, in this audio diary, I wanted to take a uh, macroscopic or higher level look and just share a little bit about why I vote Democrat. Um, I feel like I've always known internally why and I've just never actually perhaps thought about expressing it in general terms. In other words, um, positive general terms that could be applicable across the board and are not candidate specific or president specific. Uh, so this is why I vote Democrat, uh, because when I look back on my life, I want to see a person who helped others more than she helped herself. I want to see someone who recognized the inherent worth of her fellow human, free from concern with whether someone deserved the help they needed, whether it took something from me that I could afford to give, that I earned. As one person, I can't reach everyone who needs help, but I can vote for people who I think will try to create a civilized society that resonates with me. And I want to live in a society where everyone has an acceptable level of living. It doesn't have to be the same for everyone, but if I'm paying taxes, I want the government to help the neediest among us with my tax dollars. And that is why I vote Democrat. I'm interested in talking to people who are willing to share why they vote Republican, and I'd like to hear their thoughts kind of in the same way that I just shared them. So not, um, you know, attacking the other party, just expressing what you think is most important to you, why you vote. Um, and again, not specific to candidates. So I don't want to hear from people who are, you know, say they voted for Trump because they hate Hillary. That's not a good reason to me. That doesn't explain to me why you vote Republican. That explains to me why you perhaps vote um based on whether you like a person and don't consider whether they're qualified or can do a good job. Um, I have some theories on why I think people vote Republican, and I, I'm going to share a couple, and I don't know. I'm, I'm open to being um, more informed by Republican voters. And again, but if you're going to check the boxes I'm looking to have checked, it can't be an attack on the Democrats. The Republicans can't be your default party because you hate the Democrats. You have to have like an actual reason. I mean, I think people vote Republican because they want tax breaks that they believe benefit them personally, whether it be through personal income tax breaks or tax breaks for corporations. I think their default belief is that people who collect government benefits are lazy people intent on defrauding the system, and that just irks them. Yet not one person who has ever mentioned this casually to me has ever provided any empirical evidence or even indicated that they've done any research into the matter. This is just their impression. Uh, they think the Second Amendment is the most important constitutional amendment, and they do not support reasonable gun control laws. They think that is uh, an infringement, a restriction, a affront, an affront to the Second Amendment, um, and I as a lawyer, disagree with that. And uh, even Justice Antonin Scalia in a 2008, I believe it was, Supreme Court case, in his opinion, specifically said that reasonable gun control laws are not um, unconstitutional. In fact, they are constitutional. And anybody who isn't willing to have a conversation um and especially in Congress, and work on reasonable gun control legislation, well, I think that is unpatriotic and an affront to the Constitution and to civilized society, but that's just my opinion. Uh, I think people who vote Republican think that there should be less government. I think they think that uh, the Republican Party philosophy is the one that promotes religion and family values. Um, 
which makes the election of Trump just that much more confusing. And um, I think they think that the immigration system in this country is broken and that keeping people out of the U.S. should be a top concern. And I think not all, but I think a lot of people who vote Republican have not traveled or ever traveled extensively outside the U.S. So I'd just like to know why people vote Republican. Uh, I guess one more thing to share on that is that they people think that Republicans perhaps are the party, the fiscally conservative, fiscally responsible party. Um, I guess maybe some people thought Ronald Reagan was a fiscally responsible president, uh, but he actually, and I got this information from a website called thebalance.com, added $1.412 trillion in deficits, almost doubling the debt. Uh, he fought the 1982 recession by cutting the top income tax rate, and he also increased government spending by 2.5% a year. And basically, many of you of a certain age will remember or are familiar with the term trickle-down economics, which said that the Reagan and Bush tax cuts should have helped people at all income levels, and instead the opposite occurred. Income inequality worsened. Between 1979 and 2005, after-tax household income rose 6% for the bottom fifth. That sounds great until you see what happened for the top fifth. Their income increased by 80%. The top 1% saw their income triple. Instead of trickling down, it appears that prosperity trickled up. Um, and then you just had President Clinton is actually the only president in my lifetime who actually ran a budget surplus in the 90s. And then, of course, the deficit started ticking back up under George W. Bush, um, I think largely due to the war starting another war over in the Middle East. And, of course, the recession that hit um, in 2008. And then the Obama administration had to add to the deficit because it was spending to try to get us out of the recession, which it did. Um, and now Trump is adding to the deficit at historic rates, I believe. So... Really, the only fiscally responsible president in the last 40 years was President Bill Clinton, not a Republican. So, yeah, I guess um, this audio diary may not have been that popular with people who are listening, but my goal one day is to have some Republicans on this podcast who are willing to talk in a non-defensive, positive way about why they vote Republican. Good morning, everyone. This is Marissa. Um, just want to say that I am tired. I am slightly cranky. Mm, just because it was the Super Bowl last night and uh, I stayed up late watching it. Normally, if my team isn't even in it, I don't bother watching. <laughs> Go Cowboys. This portion of the podcast is just a review of what we talked about in this past episode. And um, I don't have a lot to say, but I'll just do some quick updates. First and foremost, I want to say how much I love Babs. I don't tell her enough. I feel like I should open up my heart now <laughs> and tell her because she just makes me laugh. And when I'm with her, I feel good. She's a good person and she's smart and she has all these awesome qualities that when I'm with her, I feel good. So, and she makes me laugh. She makes me laugh heartily. And I like that. I like being around people who make me feel good. And we all do, but Babs is special. <laughs> She's special. And I love her. Um, I also want to talk about something, clarify something. So, a lot of times in the podcast, we talk about 
me being a Democrat, and I am. I'm a registered Democrat. I grew up in a household of middle class means, maybe below that. Um, my parents struggled to make ends meet. Um, we lived, we started out living in New York City, and then we moved out to the burbs of Jersey when I was about six and a half. And I mean, I wasn't for want of anything, really. I just, um, it was just a struggle. Um, looking back on it, I see that. Uh, as a matter of fact, as a teenager, I saw it. But I think that where you grow up, obviously, and how you grow up determines how you're going to feel about a political affiliation. And that's why I always felt good about being a Democrat, because I always felt like we were, Democrats were really trying to help the needy, even the middle class, um, to, to, to live out their dreams and, and oversee or overcome the injustices of, of not making a lot of money or, or not getting your fair opportunity. That's why I'm a Democrat, and I still believe in those values. However, I want to point out that I do vote across party lines because sometimes uh, the Democratic candidate in a particular situation isn't um, what I feel represents the, the party. Um, sometimes they can be very extreme. Sometimes they are, they're not at all. Maybe they're just saying the same old, same old. I'm looking for somebody fresh with some new ideas. And when I look at the current party status at the presidential level, my biggest concern is that there's a, a small group of people who really aren't, I don't even really think they're qualified to be president, to be fair. I, I love Bernie Sanders. Um, I love what, how he's gone up against the pharmaceutical firms. And I, I, he's tough. I mean, he's, I think, an excellent candidate, however, I laugh all the time because he's always yelling. I don't know why he's always yelling. And I often feel like he's a little too extreme with the way he throws around the word free. And I think people like hearing the word free. And I think it's the same with Elizabeth Warren. I think she's a qualified candidate, but I think both her and Bernie Sanders are good at what they currently do. I think they're tough as senators. I think they're They've gotten a lot done where they are, but I feel like if they have ever left, they'd leave big holes, big shoes to fill because they're, they are good at what they do. But I think they should stay where they are and not try and run this country because you can't throw around things you can't make happen. And that's the problem with the presidency. People, of course, historically have always thrown big, bold ideas out there. And when you start throwing the word free out there, I don't think that works for everybody. It works for a very small group of people and somebody else is going to have to pick up the tab. I don't know how the budget works in this country and we've had that discussion before, but free just scares me. Um, I currently get taxed a lot. Uh, so does everybody else in this country. The middle class is, is probably taxed the most. And we just are trying to eke out our livings um, day in and day out. And we work hard at it, and we we try and save, and we, we desperately try and get our kids to, off to a decent college so that they can have a better life, and it's, it's a cycle. But I just don't feel like when I listen to certain candidates up on that stage that they completely and utterly understand that. And maybe they do, of course, but when you start throwing the word free around, it scares me a little. Um, as you probably all know, if you listen to the podcast, you, you know that I'm a big fan of Amy Klobuchar because she does not throw the word free around. She's not a socialist. Uh, she doesn't believe in any of that. She knows that this country just needs some changes that'll work for everybody, um, including the wealthy. I mean, well, he's, she's not taking the wealthy out of there. They, they make their fair share of, of money and but the tax brackets just need to be changed and we can get our kids to school and we can do what we have to do as Americans to uh, successfully live out our lives well. So that's, and she just doesn't make any bold promises and she doesn't throw the word free around and she, I just feel like she is a solid candidate. She's not nuts. Let me make something very crystal clear. I have yet to hear her say anything weird or nutty. 
Everything she says is level-headed and is doable. Um, and, and she is, again, if you go to congress.gov and you look up some of these other people up that, on that stage, she's the only one that has written and introduced and success, successfully passed over 100 pieces of legislation. That's huge. That means that, to me, she's working across party lines to get stuff done for people. That's what politicians are paid to do. Okay? Just want to make that crystal clear. So enough of that crap. Um, Let's see. What else? The big thing right now going on is the impeachment process. And the only thing I could say about that is I'm kind of over it. And when I say I'm over it, it's not because... it's, I, I've watched it from the beginning, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a necessary evil. This president hasn't, this, this president broke the law. However, I feel like many other presidents before him did something similar. They just didn't get caught. Um, we know the presidents who got caught and were, were impeached or left office. So I think it was... Um, was it Jackson, Andrew Jackson, Johnson, Bill Clinton, and Nixon? I think that's who it was. Uh, Nixon just left office, but the other three were impeached, um, but not taken out of office. So this president, I think that all we really have to do is find a good candidate uh, for the Democratic Party uh, I just and, and vote them in, or impeach President Trump and pray that the laws prevent him from running again so that if if the Republicans decide to take up their own search for their own president, that would be fine with me too. Um, So I think that's something that Babs and I have to look into. I don't know if we talked about that yet. So I'll make it a point of, of researching that because people have talked about it, but it hasn't come up yet because he hasn't been impeached. He hasn't been removed from office. So I wonder if he can run again, Um, which would be weird if he could. So anyway, that is my thought on the process. Um, Yeah, I'm kind of over it. I'm kind of over everybody arguing the Constitution because it is the law, and let's face it, in law, you can find two sides to what's written. I mean, yes, there is right and wrong, but if you dig a little deeper, you can make a case for anything. And so that's what makes this a circus for me. If you're a really good lawyer, you'll make a circus out of it, and that's what's happening. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's true. Anyway, that's my update. I'm sorry I'm uh, a little low-key because I'm just, I just woke up, and I'm having coffee, and I'm trying to get this onto our website and ready to go for you guys for your listening enjoyment so i'm going to go back to my coffee i'm going to go walk my dog he's looking at me like i'm crazy and uh, i thank you for listening speak to you all soon bye this has been a season two episode of a walk in the park podcast thanks so much for listening if you like what you heard please head on over to apple podcasts or google play to rate review and subscribe we'd really appreciate it you can also follow us on our social media accounts. On Twitter, that's at a wit Podcast. On Facebook, you can find our A Walk in the Park Facebook page by searching at a wit Podcast. And on Instagram, you can find us at A Walk in the Park Podcast. We'd love to hear from you.